I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. It's our preview show and we're looking ahead to Arsenal's big clash with Leeds United at Emirates Stadium this coming Sunday. A huge game for the Gunners as they continue to push for a Champions League spot. We'll also, going into this, have the benefit of knowing how Tottenham fared at Anfield the night before and the stakes are going to be incredibly high for Mikel Arteta's side come this weekend. On this show, we're going to be looking ahead to that game. We're going to be breaking it all down. We're going to be looking at some of the stats, some of the facts surrounding the game. And I'm going to be sharing with you guys the team I'd like to see the Spaniard pick. Now, the news today has been dominated, obviously, by the announcement that Mikel Arteta has signed a new contract with the club. He will remain in charge of the Gunners until the end of the 2024 25 season and it was coming let's be honest we talked about it earlier on on the last stream we talked about the fact that this was coming that this is no surprise that this was one of the world's worst kept secrets but it's done now the announcement has been made and Mikel Arteta uh, spoke about this in his press conference earlier today and I don't wish to go too deep in the press conference because I want to talk um, a little bit more about the game I want to focus on the tactical side of the game, what we might come up against in Leeds United. Um, but there was one bit that really jumped out uh, out to me um, from that press conference today. And that was where Mikel Arteta revealed the timing of the offer. Now, it's pretty clear from what he said that discussions had been ongoing, that conversations had been had behind the scenes. But he revealed that the contract offer was actually put in front of him after the Southampton defeat. He said after we lost three games, which suggests it was then, which suggests that the club are so bought into this idea of Mikel Arteta taking us on and trust him implicitly enough to say, here's your contract, um, despite what's going on at the moment, which suggests that they'd seen enough. Uh, they'd seen enough from Mikel Arteta during his tenure so far to suggest this is someone that they want to stick with. This is someone that they want to push forward with. And this is somebody they believe in. Really, really interesting to hear that because um, a lot of people felt and thought that that trip that he made out to the United States, I think it was, was it in January or at some time around there, um, was the chat or was the contract being signed or, or being at least verbally agreed? And it seems like there was some progress made that day, but obviously the official offer, according to Mikel Arteta, uh, was made just after what we believe to be the Southampton defeat, which, um, you know, if ever there's a way of showing faith in someone, that's it, right? When your back's up against the wall, when your season's in danger of unravelling, along comes your employer and says no. Regardless of that, I think you've done a good job. I think you're taking us down the right path. And I think that you deserve to stay on longer. He talked about the um, the fact that it sort of avoids the uncertainty going into the summer as well. And I made that point, didn't I, on the sort of instant reaction show when the news broke, that it does help to have all your ducks in order going into the summer. It helps with recruitment. It helps with, as Mikel uh, revealed or alluded to, it helps with the idea of keeping players, getting them to commit their long-term future. So I think there's a lot of positives um, in doing it at this point, although I stick by my original point. And I've been thinking about this a lot because some of my friends, some of my colleagues have been on social media talking about the timing of this announcement. And some of them have actually been really complimentary 
of the idea of doing it now. Like the, that was the right idea. They feel wholeheartedly that to do it today was was definitely the right decision. And I've been thinking about it and I've been trying to kind of wrap my head around that way of thinking. I've been trying desperately to kind of, um, you know, see the other side of it. And I do see the other side in the sense of the preparation going into the summer, what it means and that it's a real show of faith. And it kind of indicates and suggests that, you know, finishing in, in the Europa League was was going to be enough for Arsenal this season. That's what the goal was at the outset. That's what he's going to achieve. And they're pretty content with that. Champions League, this suggests, would be a bonus. Um, but I still am not 100% on board with the timing. I still feel like the timing, although people say it gives us a boost, although people say it helps us get our ducks in order, I think the timing of the announcement maybe adds pressure more than it does relieve it. And and some people are saying that it relieves it. Some people are saying that, well, beg your pardon, with Mikel Arteta's future set, now we can move forward and now we don't need to worry about all of those other things. And I get all of that and that maybe it will be the boost that we need to go into the last weeks of the season. Still not sure about that element of it, but I am sure that Mikel Arteta is deserving of a new contract. The reason I, I'm not sure of the timing is just because I still think that there are quite a few people out there um, and it, not just a loud minority, but there's there's a fair few people that are on the fence about him that, that don't know whether he is the right man to take us forward, um, whether he's the man to take us to the next level. And that's a, a valid opinion to have. I just think that you kind of what you're doing as a football club in giving him the contract now is you're almost loading the guns of those who are waiting for this to fail, of which there are a fair few. And um, that's that's just the way I see it. Now, I, again, I don't dispute that Mikel Arteta has done a wonderful job. I've been one of his biggest fans, one of his biggest supporters. I've been in- accused on this very podcast tons of times of being his lawyer, being his defence attorney, whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I just think that... Um, that I would have waited a little bit. I, I, that, that's my opinion. Tariq raises an interesting point, though. He says, what if the worst case scenario happens, though, and we didn't make the top four? Wouldn't that then be bad timing if we announced it then? Um, yeah, it would. Um, it would. It would sort of send that message that, you know, we'd achieved the objectives that the club had set at the start of the season, just like it sends that same message today. Um, obviously, there'll be a lot more negativity around if, um, you know, for example, we do miss out and and then that contract announcement is made. Maybe you're right. Maybe the club felt that right now that they're on a high in terms of the fan opinion and in terms of where they are with everybody. I just I don't know. Like I see, as I say, I see both sides to this. I think there is validity in the idea of doing it now. And I think there is there's a lot of sense in the idea of doing it at the end of the season as well. But yeah, it's, um, it's a hard one. I just, that, that was my initial gut feel and I I can't move on from that. I can't move on from the fact that I feel like we've put ourselves potentially under a little bit more pressure going into the, um, the final weeks of the season, but that's just me. Anyway, um, I'm glad he's staying. I'm glad that that's sorted. I'm glad his future sorted. I'm glad we're not going into the new season. Uh, with him in the final year of his contract. So that is the positive side of it, of course. 
But anyway, let's um, let's start looking ahead to the Leeds game because uh, plenty to get into ahead of this one. A big, big game for the Gunners. And remember, as I say, Liverpool take on Spurs at Anfield the night before. And that is a game that has huge implications on our chances of qualifying for next season's Champions League. But we've got to put that to one side. You know, I've, I've said it all week. I've got this nagging feeling in the back of my mind that Spurs are going to get something at Anfield. And so... I just want to focus on Arsenal. I just want to focus on doing our job. Whether Spurs get something or not, we've got to make sure that it doesn't impact us sort of in terms of our mood. I.e., I don't want it to make us complacent if Spurs go to Anfield and get beat equally. I don't want us to be overly nervous and feel the pressure if Tottenham do go and get something as well. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. Look, before we, sorry, before we dive full head on, um, into the Leeds game. Let's take some of the comments in the chat about the timing because, um, as I said earlier on on the show, I'm a little bit torn on this. This is the one part of this whole contract story that I'm a little bit uneasy with. Um, and as I say, I see both sides. But this, for me, my sort of perfect ending to the season would have been, let's finish in the top four, bang, let's celebrate that. And then let's celebrate the fact that Mikel Arteta has been given a new contract as well. And even those who are super critical of Mikel Arteta and just won't have it that he's done anything right since arriving at the club. If we had, uh, you know, a, a sort of fourth place finish Champions League qualification wrapped up at that point that the announcement was made, none of them would have a leg to stand on. None of them would have any ammunition against the club and against the fans that support this manager and support what we're doing and support the project. But it just feels like if we do miss out on the top four now, Arsenal have armed those people to be able to go look at this club, absolute shambles of a club, uh, rewarding someone for for missing out on Champions League qualification, despite us being in pole position. You can already hear that noise. You can already hear that narrative. That's my concern. That's my worry. But interesting to see that you guys, um, a lot of you see it see it differently. Alistair says, I think it's perfect timing. Could be that little boost the team needs for the rest of the season. Um, Halo Mateus talks about the, the impact and the knock-on effect this has on our summer transfer window. He says, although signings usually happen in the summer, the preparations do start a lot earlier. So I think the signing of Arteta now can boost everything going forward. Uh, Creambone66 says, well done, Arsenal, I say. Um, Stan the Man says, now that Europe is assured, they're starting the recruitment early. So the club had to project stability, hence the new contract. Yeah, that that's, I'm sure, how the club will see it. The only thing is, is that does the recruitment process and does who you're able to go after change depending on whether you're in the Europa and the or the Champions League? And so can you fully go into the recruitment process at this stage without knowing in which competition we're going to be playing our football? I don't know. Um, Arsenal Granny says, uh, when would you have liked the news to come out? Just to reiterate what I said a few moments ago, I'd have loved it to be, this is how I, I sort of dreamed it or, or sort of, uh, I'm not going to say dreamed it, but this is how I envisaged it. It was Arsenal to get over the line, get into the top four and then make that announcement the day after the, the, the day after we do it, the day after we seal qualification for next season's Champions League competition. Um, I know that doesn't leave any contingency for what would have happened if we did miss out uh, because everybody would be on a downer. And, and probably, you know, as a lot of you have pointed out, the, the reaction to it would be a lot more negative. 
Um, so yeah, I'm I'm start the more I listen to you guys, the more I'm starting to come around to that way of thinking. But for me, it, it wasn't expected. Like I, I expected the contract to be done. In fact, I'd said to you guys on this show that I thought it was already agreed. But I wasn't when I woke up this morning or or you know, when I was looking ahead to this month, I wasn't expecting it to come at this point, is uh is the honest truth. Um Matt also agrees. I think that uh, T makes a good point. If we don't get the top four and then they announce it, the fans would go into meltdown. Uh, Richard Bluestone says, I don't see it as a big problem. We made Europe and that was the objective. Um, so lots of you feel that it was it was the right timing, um, which is which is fair enough. Uh, Jay and Benny says the timing is good. Other managers, others would want to take this manager if we mess about and what we're we waiting for. If he's not the right guy, then he will go. Yeah, um, that's it. I, I get what you're saying. And also as well, like as as we've said on numerous occasions recently, um, you know, just because you've got a contract doesn't mean that the club can't get rid of you. Doesn't mean that you've got to stay at the club. Doesn't mean that, you know, you're you're tied in and doesn't mean that the club um, won't have the ability or or won't have the cojones, if you like, to uh, to give you the boot if they feel that that is what needs to happen. Okay, uh, just before uh, we move forward, just a quick reminder, if you haven't hit the like button, please do so. Let's get as many likes on the board as possible. And please do subscribe to the channel if you're new. We've hit that 20K mark, which is amazing. Got a thank you video dropping, uh, looking at that and talking about that tomorrow um, around about lunchtime uh, to say thank you for for all your support. Um, but just because we've got to 20K now, it doesn't mean that we want to slow down. Let's try and get uh, as many subscribers as possible. Let's try and continue to grow the channel as best as possible. Right, let's look ahead then. Arsenal take on Leeds at Emirates Stadium this weekend. Big, big uh, game for the Gunners. And let's look at some of the stats and some of the facts around this fixture. So Arsenal and Leeds have met in the Premier League 27 times previously. Gunners have won 14 of them, with Leeds winning eight, and there have been five draws between the two clubs. Now, you might think that that number is a little bit low, and it is, because Leeds United were out of the top flight for a, the best part of, what, 16 years? Which is incredible when you think about the size of that football club. But yeah, Leeds um, have been um, sort of uh, languishing down in the Championship and in League One for a spell as well for a number of years. Marcelo Bielsa took the reins of the club, guided them back to the Premier League, but unfortunately, due to their uh, disappointing form earlier in the season, was given his marching orders. If we look at the recent meetings, you can gauge an understanding of how long Leeds United were out of the Premier League for exactly. If you look back um, earlier in the season, the Gunners won at Ellen Road by four goals to one. Really good uh, performance that day. If you go back to last season, we beat them at the Emirates Stadium on Sunday, the 14th of February, by four goals to two. And um, if you go back to the game previously in the league, it was a nil-nil draw at Ellen Road. If I'm not mistaken, I think that's the game that Nicolas Pepe got sent off in. And we were actually really fortunate to get a result that day. Um, going back prior to that, well, this was Leeds United's last season in the Premier League. It was the Arsenal Invincible season. We beat them 5-0 uh, at Highbury. I was at that game on the 16th of April and we won at Ellen Road by four goals to one in November of 2003. So, 
Um, that's the uh, the history between these two clubs. Let's move on to the form guide and have a look at how these two teams have fared in recent weeks. Well, the Gunners have been on a three-game winning streak after being on a three-game losing streak. They managed to turn it around and just as well because we are very much in the business end of the season. So when you look at Leeds United, they lost their last game at home to Manchester City by four goals to nil. And I'm not saying that they deserve to win. I'm not even saying that they deserve the point. But I do think the 4 0 scoreline flattered Manchester City here. And I think that's been a thing with Leeds ever since they've come back into the Premier League. A lot of the time, their performances and the scorelines don't necessarily marry up. So that suggests that they do a lot of things right. And that suggests that at some point, they've got a click, which is why for me, they're a very, very dangerous opponent. But prior to that, they picked up two wins and two draws in their four uh, fixtures, which is pretty decent form. And when you think about the fact that of late, they've been dragged right back into the relegation fight. You look at that form and you can't really understand how. I mean, you can't deny that Jesse Marsh's arrival has seen an upturn in results. You can't deny that he's doing a lot of good at Leeds United Football Club. But the likes of Burnley, who have been pulling out results uh, from God knows where, the magic covered, I'd imagine, uh, over the last few weeks have dragged Leeds back into this. Everton's win against Chelsea as well ensured that Leeds were right back in the mix. And now this becomes a really, really big game for the Ellen Road side. When you look at our season so far in comparison, that the Gunners currently sit in fourth. Leeds United are in 17th. Arsenal have won 20 of their Premier League fixtures so far. Leeds have won just eight. Uh, the Whites have also picked up 10 draws this season, which is a lot more than Arsenal's three. They've lost five more than the Gunners, losing 16 in comparison to our 11. Arsenal have scored on average 1.59 goals per game uh, in comparison to Leeds, whose is 1.12. And that's really, really different um, to what you'd imagine or what you'd think, right? Or what you'd have seen last season, because Leeds had zero problems scoring goals last season. They were brilliant in that sense. But defensively, they were all over the shop and that constantly let them down. Well, this season, the goals have dried up and they're still pretty damn bad defensively, on average conceding 2.12 goals uh, per game. Uh, Arsenal have managed 13 clean sheets this season, whereas Leeds have managed just five. Although they do, according to the Premier League's official stats, create more clear-cut chances per match than we do. Hmm. Not sure about that. That's one for the dubious stats panel. Anyway, um, if you look at top player stats, well, in most departments, it's Arsenal players that are leading in terms of goals in the Premier League. Bukayo Saka leads the way with 11. Rafinha of Leeds and Emil Smith-Rowe are tied up in second on 10. When it comes to assists, it's uh, two Arsenal players. Alexander Lacazette with seven. Bukayo Saka in second with six. And Dan James is in fourth place in terms of passes. Uh, Gabriel and Ben White lead the way with Luke Ayling coming in at third with some 400 or so passes less than Ben White uh, in the Premier League this season. But when it comes to tackles, well, Leeds United lead the way there. With Stuart Dallas uh, on 93, he picked up a horrible injury last weekend. Luke Ayling is on 73 and Pascal Strauch sits in third on 56. Okay, so those are the stats. Those are the facts going into this one. So what team would I like to see Mikel Arteta play? Now, in his press conference today, he revealed that Ben White could be in contention to start. But of course, he needs to train tomorrow. So we'll probably um, be mulling over that one until uh, the weekend now, because until Sunday, because 
Um, There's not going to be another opportunity to hear from Mikel Arteta. So um, we'll have to leave that one hanging and that one open. But this is how, if he, indeed he is fit and available, I would like to see the Arsenal lineup. I want to see Ramsdale in goal. Tomiyasu, White, Gabriel and Tavares as the back four. Xhaka and Elneny in midfield with Odegaard just ahead of them. Smith Rowe would come back into the starting eleven for me on the left-hand side. thought Martinelli was a little bit disappointing um, in a lot of ways at, at the London Stadium. The work rate was there. The effort was there, as it always is with Gabriel Martinelli. But I just didn't feel like he offered us enough. Um, Saka from the right and Enketia should continue for me through the middle. So let me explain a couple of those decisions. So I do think that being at home, we're going to probably have the lion's share of the possession. I am slightly concerned by Leeds and I feel like Leeds United are a team with plenty to offer as an attacking force. I know I say the goals have dried up, but they're capable of creating situations. They're capable of having those moments. And if it clicks for Jesse Marsh's side on the day, well, then we've got to be right at it. But looking at that team, there's a few decisions I want to talk about. So I think that with Tavares at left-back, who again, by my standards, I didn't think was very, very good, um, at West Ham United, I thought that he defensively left a lot to be desired. I thought that we saw glimpses of his athleticism, as we always do. But defensively, he is a bit suspect. Well, what I do imagine to happen in a game like this is for Nuno Tavares to play that little bit further on with Gabriel White and Tomiyasu almost um, shuffling across and, and creating what looks a bit more like a back three when we're in possession. Now, Tomiyasu enables you to do that in a much more effective way than Cedric Suarez. But if you add to that the fact that we've got that defensive protection provided by Elneny and Xhaka, I think that gives us a pretty decent core and allows Nuno Tavares to get up the pitch where he is far more effective. So why have I picked Emil Smith-Rowe? on the left-hand side. Well, I've mentioned that I didn't feel that Martinelli's performance, although it wasn't bad, was was particularly good uh, against West Ham United. And I think that Emil Smith-Rowe could be the key to unlocking a side like Leeds United. He tends to drift into these half spaces a little bit more frequently than Martinelli does, who always likes to start with a really wide position. He likes to receive the ball there and then divert in. Emil Smith-Rowe is a little bit more adept and a little bit more cute in picking up these pockets here, the half spaces, which I think he's so good at exploiting. And what that does is it opens the door for Nuno Tavares to get up and down that left flank with frequency, with regularity, and be a weapon for us um, with uh, the defensive structure in place, as I say, behind him to accommodate that. So I just think that the combination of Emil Smith-Rowe and Nuno Tavares is probably a little bit better than that of Nuno Tavares and Gabriel Martinelli in terms of its balance. So that is the team that I would go with. As I say, let me just repeat that for those listening on audio. Ramsdale in goal, Tomiyasu White, Gabriel Tavares, Xhaka Elneny, Odegaard, Saka, Smith-Rowe and Enketia. Let me know what you think about the team. Let me know your thoughts in the live chat box and we'll take some of your questions uh, between now and the end of the show. I'm going to take a very, very brief pause and then I'm going to share with you guys my prediction for the match. Okay, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network as ever. I'm your host, Harry Simu, and we're uh, midway through our Arsenal versus Leeds United preview. Big, big game for both sides coming up this weekend. So, um, in terms of a prediction, it's going to be a tough one. I predicted a win at West Ham, um, but I went for a narrow win. I didn't think that it was going to, well, it was a narrow win in the end. 
Um, sorry, I didn't go for a narrow win. I went for a free one, I think, for West Ham, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong in the chat. I can't even remember my own predictions. But I think I went for a few goals and I went for Arsenal to win the game. Um, we ended up winning it by the odd goal in the end. And yes, it felt a lot nervier at the time than it was looking back on it. Um, but it was uh, it was it was close. It was tense. It was difficult. What do I see us doing against Leeds? Well, I think it's really really important that we go out there and we, um, you know, we we try and catch them cold. We try and catch them by surprise. We try and really impose ourselves. Use the atmosphere within the Emirates Stadium to really uh, add pressure to a side that have been low on confidence throughout the season. My only issue as well, though, is um, or, or my hope is that we don't have a flat atmosphere at the start of the game, because I think that really impacts. I think the team feed off the energy in the ground and that contributes to them making a fast start. I thought against Man United, we we created a really positive atmosphere and that contributed to the fast start. But that was Man United. And I always feel like whatever the kickoff time is, um, you know, whatever the kickoff time is, we we can generate that because it's Man United. Will we do that on an early kickoff on a Sunday against Leeds? I bloody hope so, because we need it. And um, and this feeds back into what we were saying earlier about the, the mood around the club needing to be positive and all of that and how um, that can contribute to all of those things. So hopefully it does. Um, obviously, Eddie and Ketty are up front as well is someone who will want to prove a point to Leeds United. Uh, because obviously he went there, he didn't get the opportunities he felt that he deserved, uh, didn't get a chance to showcase himself, wasn't really a favourite under Marcelo Bielsa, who he had plenty of respect for, though, um, as he mentioned in in a recent interview that he did. So Eddie Nketiah will will have a bit of a chip on his shoulder going into this one, and in a good way. Um, and, and I hope that he can channel that in the right way, because he was really, really good at West Ham in terms of the work he put in for the team. Um, obviously scored a couple of goals at Chelsea. I didn't think he was bad against Man United, but I don't think he was as effective as he could have been. Um, but I think in this game, this is a real opportunity for him uh, to stake another claim for either the contract that he wants and the guarantees and the promises that he wants next season or, um, you know, really put himself in the shop window going into the summer. So, yeah, he'll have a point to prove and I look forward to seeing how it'll go. I think Arsenal are going to win this one and I'm going to go for a 2-0 win uh, in this one. That's my prediction for this. So, Arsenal 2 leads United 0. Fingers crossed. OK, let's go over to the chat. Let's get some of your thoughts. Let's get some of your questions. Um, C. King says, who do you think adds more defensive protection on the left-hand side, Emil Smith-Rowe or Gabriel Martinelli? I think it's close personally. So I think they do it in a different way. And that's why I agree with you that it's close. I think that what, what Martinelli does is starts from wider positions. OK, that's what Martinelli likes to do. Let me just go back to the tactics board so I can quickly demonstrate this point. Um, because I think the way they defend is different. And neither, neither is wrong, neither is right. I just think there are differences. And I think that that does, though, impact on the fullback. So, for example, when Martinelli plays on the left-hand side, and let's just quickly change this for Martinelli to Martinelli for the benefit of those um, watching us on YouTube. When Martinelli plays on the left-hand side, when Arsenal have the ball, I think he likes to pull out really wide. He wants to be on the touchline so that he can either dart inside when a ball's played over the top or so that when he receives the ball, he's got time to carry it and attack people. So naturally, if his position is out here, when Arsenal lose the ball, 
Gabriel Martinelli has got lots of hard yards to put in to get back into either a defensive position, um, sort of in terms of how deep he is, or in a more compact shape. He needs to put in the hard yards to do that. Whereas Emil Smith-Rowe, who, as I say, tends to operate a little bit more inside the pockets um, because of the fact that he's already in a better starting position, doesn't need to make the sprints, but finds it much more easier and natural to tuck inside and um, and become part of the defensive shape. So I think it's different. I think Nuno Tavares, um, when Martinelli is playing on the left, has to tuck in closer to Gabriel. Um, whereas when it's Emil Smith-Rowe, um, who is a little bit more inverted. It means that Nuno Tavares, because of the shape around him with Xhaka, Gabriel, etc., can go and confront people a little bit more. And I think he's better when he's just one-on-one. I've got to go and confront you. I'm physical. I'm powerful. Get past me, um, you know, as opposed to having to tuck in as part of a back line because the left winger is out there confronting people. I think when he has to think, I think when he has to be aware positionally of what he's doing, but also what others are doing. I think that's where he comes unstuck. So I think defensively, he looks better with Emil Smith-Rowe in the side for those very reasons. But that's not to say the way Martinelli defends is bad or the way that Emil Smith-Rowe defends is bad. They just do it differently. And I think that does have an impact on the fullback. And I think that when it comes to Nuno Tavares, he would be better suited, I think, to having Emil Smith-Rowe in front of him. Um, what else have we got in the comments? Uh, Kyle Turner, one of our members, hope you're well, mate. He says, we've missed Tommy not only defensively, but also attacking with that loft through ball. He does, yeah, certainly. Um, Bandelis asks if uh, White is okay to play. Well, we know he's in contention and we know he's due to train tomorrow. If he does pass that fitness test and pass the training session without any issues, then I'm sure he will be in the starting lineup. If he's not, though, I don't really have too much of an issue with Rob Holding coming into the back line. But again, it means that we're without two of our back four and that causes disruption. And it's been frustrating because we've been like that for a really long period of time now. where We just can't get not even three of our back four out on the pitch fit enough and ready to play. Um, Jid says Arteta singled out and worked um, with Martinelli when it came to finishing, playing up front, and we've seen him impact on Sterling as well. Why do you think it hasn't taken and his contributions are low? I think that Gabriel Martinelli is a fantastic player and he's got so much potential. I love his all-action style. I love his work rate. I love his determination. I love that from time to time when it does click, he looks lethal in front of goal. I just think that Gabriel Martinelli has been overhyped by the Arsenal fans. I, I really do feel that. And that's not to say that he doesn't warrant excitement or that he's not a good player and he's not an interesting player and he's not someone that I look forward to seeing represent us in the years to come. But I just feel like, you know, when Mikel Arteta was not picking him and was saying that he wasn't quite ready, that was met with a lot of anxiety and, and a lot of like, you know, oh no, what does this mean? Is he going to leave us? A lot of people met it with anger, who were saying, well, this just guy, this guy's just completely wide of the mark and he doesn't know what he's doing. But Martinelli's form is very up and down. And so you can understand why um, Arteta doesn't pick him every single week. I just think that there's been a little bit of an overhype around Martinelli, and I'm sure that he will get better and will continue to develop. And I still believe he's a very useful player to have, but he's not the elite forward at this moment in time, at this age, that some people would have you believe. And I think that's um, 
that's why we're not seeing the contributions. I don't really think it's anything that the manager's done wrong or, or, or anything that the player has done wrong. Tariq says, if you was to hazard a guess, do you think Thomas Partey could be fit for the game against Tottenham or even make a surprise appearance on the bench against Leeds? I don't believe so, mate. Um, I thought Mikel Arteta was pretty clear in his presser last week when he said that he, um, you know, he's um, he's he's going to be out for the rest of the season. I, I really do feel like that's the case. I think what, what Arsenal doing as a football club is saying, you know, he's going to be out for the rest of the season. And look, if we do get him back for a couple of games, happy days. It'll be a much welcome boost um, and bonus. But I don't think that they're relying on him. I think that Mikel Arteta uh, has decided that he's going to trust in Elneny and Xhaka now. Let's hope that those two touch wood can stay fit between now and the end of the season. A return for Partey would be a bonus, but I'm not expecting one in answer to your question. Let's take a couple... Um, Let's take a couple more. Uh, Halo says, is the link between Odegaard and Emil Smith-Rowe better uh, than Odegaard and Martinelli, do you think? Maybe, but I think they probably give Martin Odegaard different things to think about. So when he picks up the ball in those inside spaces, I think when he, he looks up, he knows that Gabriel Martinelli, if he's the one playing on the left, is going to be angling to get in behind the fullback or come in field into that half space with pace and do it early. And that, as a as an attacking creative midfielder, um, means that you know, um, you know what you're doing. You, you don't even need to look a lot of the time. You know the area you need to hit, and once the ball comes, you can play that pass very, very quickly, very, very sharply, and that can open up defenses. I think when he looks at Emil Smith Rowe, he knows he's going to get something different. He knows that he's got someone who's probably going to be square of him, maybe slightly more advanced, whose feet he can find, and and he knows that. There's a security in Emil Smith-Rowe that when he gets the ball, he's probably going to keep it, even if that means spinning away from someone and playing it back in field towards Odegaard again. So I think they offer you different things. I wouldn't say that the link is better with one or the other. I just think that you get to know what a player is going to do from working with him day in, day out. And the better you are in terms of how cohesive you are as a pair and the more on his wavelength you are, the more likely uh, you are to to make the right decision at the right time and for the team to benefit from that. Um, Ross Taylor says, Harry, I agree with you with Martinelli. The goals just aren't there yet. Do you need another goal scoring winger? Yeah, I, I, I would welcome another goal scoring winger. I really would. And I believe that rather than going out and signing two centre forwards this summer, Arsenal are going to look to bring in one centre forward and one winger with maybe the capability of playing at centre-forward or perhaps with a view of us playing with a false nine from time to time, whether that's the new player or with one of the guys that we already have. But I do think that that is on Arsenal's radar. I do expect that to be something that Arsenal look at this summer. Um, but yeah, I, you know, and again, I don't, I'm not digging out Martinelli. He'll probably pop up at the weekend and score a couple of goals. And if he does, happy bloody days. I'm not being critical of him. I just... For me, in terms of like where people rate him, I'm just a little bit below the average in the sense of I think he's got the potential. But as I always say on this very podcast, potential without being fulfilled doesn't really count for an awful lot. So I want to see him continue working, continue developing. I do think he's improved. And I think that if he continues to keep his head down and works hard and takes the opportunities and experiences handed to him by Mikel Arteta, he can for sure um you know, reach the levels that I think he can. Okay, look, we're going to leave it there. 
Um, that's our preview for Arsenal versus Leeds at Emirates Stadium. My prediction for those of you asking again in the chat is a 2-0 Arsenal win. And fingers crossed we can do that against the backdrop of a Spurs defeat at Anfield. But as I say, there's just this horrible feeling inside me that Spurs might get something. The focus needs to be on us. The focus needs to be on Emirates Stadium. And if we benefit from what happens at Anfield, great. We'll We'll look at it then. But for now... Uh, we do really, really need to be focused on our own business. Um, will the contract announcement be a boost? Um, hopefully it is. Will it create a better atmosphere at the Emirates on Sunday? Hopefully it does. We will see. Uh, I'll catch you all a little bit later on. There'll be actually there'll be a video dropping tomorrow around about lunchtime. As I say, thanking you guys uh, for all the fantastic uh, support of the channel. Um, it honestly really does mean the world to me. So um, I look forward to sharing that with you as well. I've kind of built it up like as if it's like this amazing video. It isn't. It's just me talking openly and honestly about what the Chronicles of Aguna has done for me. Um, what it's what it's helped facilitate in terms of a community how it's helped me in my career how it's the 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 base of my career and um and how i'm really really enjoying the ride and and really grateful and thankful for everything that you guys do and for turning up here to watch the shows and and to those of you that listen as well i mean we're still at a point where we have as many audio downloads as we do youtube views um and we still have you know, not quite the same amount, but almost as many uh, subscribers on the audio platforms as we do on YouTube, which is amazing. So we're almost at double of the 20K. So this is a really, really big deal for me. And um, I never thought it would get to this point. So I just put together a little video um, in which I thank you guys and in which we talk about how it's helped me and how, you know, other people who want to do something like this, because I get messages all the time from people saying, like, I'd like to change careers. I'd like to do something that I enjoy just talking a little bit about the journey and the part that this channel, this podcast has played in that. So that is coming tomorrow for you guys um, to enjoy. Right. I'm going to catch you all very, very soon. Enjoy your Friday nights and I'll see you all tomorrow. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.